This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and with me today to preview LSU versus Auburn is Sonny Ship. Sonny, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to finally be able to get on some kind of schedule with these uh, with these Thursday previews looking ahead to the game. Right. Get get them out Thursday and give people a couple of days to digest them, especially with the game being at 8 p.m. I mean, yeah, not that they're going to be listening to the podcast. They probably will be doing, you know, other things on Saturday. But, you know, give them a couple of days to, to digest this podcast. Hey, we just need to get the right tailgate, get some get some Bose speakers out there blasted and uh, just let the whole let the whole uh, parking lot where they're at. Listen to us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hey. That's what the go twenty four seven tailgating scene would be. Just our podcast that's it. blasting. That's it. That's it. Come get all the beer you can drink, all the boudin you can eat, and listen to us. There you go. There you go. So um, today, I mean, like I said, we'll be uh, previewing Auburn versus LSU Saturday eight p.m. on ESPN. Uh, big game for both teams coming in at three and one. Uh, obviously, LSU the last two games, Central Michigan and Mississippi State, looked good in both of them. Meanwhile, Auburn comes in off a loss to Penn State, which I thought they played pretty well in. And then uh, against uh, Georgia State, they did not look so good in. Obviously, pulling that one out I mean, by the skin of their teeth before a late pick six to make it a 10-point win. But uh, And also, I mean, Bo Nix obviously leaving the game, TJ Finley stepping in and leading them back to a win. But First, before we get into the Auburn, let's talk about some injury news, eligibility news. As we know, uh, John Emery is still ineligible at the moment. Uh, Glenn Logan, defensive tackle, uh, always said he hopes to have him back in two weeks or so. Derek Stingley is still um, expected to be out for this game and for you know maybe a, a game or two after that at least. Uh, Sage Ryan, uh, we haven't heard anything on him. Ex- expectation is that he is still out. Um questionable cam wire i have him as even though i think they're going to try to get him some playing time i think they're going to try to throw him out there and see how he does just from what os said so far and then uh players that i expect to be good sony fanua and uh john trey kirkland both academically eligible uh then armani goodwin and ollie gay both played last week but we knew they were banged up so uh, did i miss anybody what are your takeaways from from those uh injuries and eligibility stuff no dude i think you i think you nailed it and man it's such a shame glenn logan the guy lost like 36 pounds. They had him listed at 339 this year, uh, last year. They have him at 303 on the roster this year. 36 pounds. I mean, it sounds like he, you know, it sounds like he's probably in the best shape of his life since he had gotten to LSU and once he started, you know, putting on that weight from high school to college. So for him to miss six games, I think it's really a, uh, you know, you really just hate to see that. But getting Sony Fanua back, I think it, it is going to be big, especially at this time right here, especially dealing with an Auburn offensive line that's going to want, that's going to want to run the football. They're going to run it. They're going to, you know, just line up and they want to play smash mouth. They want to play, keep you in a phone booth, north, south running game. And so 
having Sony Fanua back in a game like this at 250, 260 pounds as a defensive end, I think it's great timing right there because last thing you want to do is have to put Savion Jones or Landon Jackson or one of the younger yeah. guys in there. You know who's just not physically ready to uh, to compete at this level. So uh, I, I think that comes at a good time. Uh, Trey Bradford, you know, we we hope to hear something on yeah. him. I don't know what the you know. I was never too I was never too optimistic that the NCAA yeah. was going to clear him, just because it was just such an odd story and an odd situation to begin with. And when is the NCAA? you know, ever done anything that seems to benefit the kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it always seems like that their decisions tend to hurt the kids more than they help them. Yeah. But um, other than that, no, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. And real quick with Auburn, um, Owen Popo, the, uh, and I think I pronounced his last name. Uh, Sounds right. right. I'm not even sure. I think but former five-star linebacker. Leader of their defense, didn't play last week against Georgia State. Nathan King with our Auburn site, uh, I touched base with him today, and he said that uh, that he'd, he'd basically be a little surprised if uh, if Owen didn't play just because he's the type of player to where the coaches have to basically just hold him back, you know, yeah. keep, to keep him chained up, to keep him off yeah. the field. And then uh, Demetrius Robertson, the, uh, the transfer from um, – Georgia. Oh, what was it, man? He's been to several schools. USC, what, Georgia. Was Georgia? <laughs> yeah, Georgia. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, he was banged up last week and he had been their number two, number three receiver early on in the season and stuff. And so I think he's questionable for this week. And so, you know, given all the issues that Auburn kind of has with their, you know, with their passing game right now, between not knowing which quarterback they're going to, they're going to throw out there. Firing your wide receivers coach four games into the season, yeah. um, you know, on Sunday, that's going to be a, uh, you know, that's another element that you add into that. So really a lot of questions for the Auburn passing game coming into uh, coming into Saturday. And I really think that that passing game is going to have to flourish for them to uh, to leave Tiger Stadium with the W. Yeah, I mean. Who, who do you think gets the start, TJ Finley or Bo Nix? Who, who would you start? And then who do you think is going to get the start? If it was me, I would go, I would start Bo Nix and mm -hmm. then, but I would have it, I would have it mapped out to where TJ knows when he's going to come in and I would have him, I would have his series, you know, charted out to where everyone's on the same page. The yeah. team is on the same page. You don't have to worry about, you know, potentially dividing the locker room if your quarterback controversy, you know, continues to, you know, just, um, hang, hang around on. all yeah. season long. So I, I would do that. And then whoever has the most success, that's who I would go with. And, um, you know, I think it's going to, I think that Brian Harson's going to follow that path. I do think that he's going to, to stick with Bo Nix. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that because of all the, uh, you know, the, the quote unquote politics involved in dealing yeah. with, uh, you know, with Auburn and with the Knicks name and yeah. all of that. Uh, I just think that it's going to present a more comfortable situation for, you know, for, for all of them involved. And I think even for TJ, too, instead of TJ coming in and starting now, he can watch things. You know, he can watch a couple of series on the field, see what's working, see what's not working, then go in there and maybe not have as many nerves to where he gets in there and he tries to do too much. Yeah, I think Finley we saw last year, right? His first game for LSU was really impressive. He was moving the ball down the field effectively. Then that second and third game, once defenses started kind of settling in and kind of limiting what he could do is where he kind of struggled a bit. So I think I would probably start Bo Nix and then fill in uh, Finley and 
in spots, especially if Nick struggles early on. Uh, mapping it out, I think it's a great way to go, and I think that's what they're going to do. Uh, but at the end of the day, as we know, it comes down to the run game for Auburn, right? Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, those two dudes are studs. I really like what I've seen from Jarquez Hunter in the two games I watched with Penn State and Georgia State. Uh, he's a spry back, a young back, and, I mean, he hurdled the guy against Penn State and almost scored off of it, and I was like, okay, this is a guy who isn't just a, a quick guy that can, you know, get some yards and get out of bounds or, you know, take some hits. He's a guy who can break tackles, shed tackles, and he's a great counter to Tank Bigsby. I like their two back sets that they have whenever they run that. Um, and I think it's going to be a challenge for LSU's defense to consistently stop the run. And I don't know what I'm expecting, but I don't think they need to be perfect against the run. But you just can't give up those you know, 50-yard runs, 40-yard runs. You have to make them be consistent, which Penn State did. I think Penn State played a really good game against the run game, and um, they made Tank Bigsby. I think Tank Bigsby's longest run was like 16 yards. I think it was on the first or second possession of the game. After that, it was like five yards, six yards, six yards, eight yards. Like There was nothing really big play about Auburn's offense in the run game, and that's how you have to kind of beat them. You have to make them work and make them make them sustain long drives make them be perfect basically and that's what i'm interested to see especially with the pass game being such a question mark is i'm not expecting lsu's defense to be perfect against the run because i think that's unrealistic just because i don't think that they are capable of doing that but if they can make them sustain drives and get them into a couple third down situations where it's make or break you know third and four third and five type stuff i think lsu has a really good shot here but the offense auburn's offense you just can't let them break the big play and um, I don't think they have the speed and they don't have Anthony Schwartz at receiver anymore. You know, I, I don't expect them to make big plays, but that's what you have to really uh, prepare for here is make them work for their drives. And that's what Penn State did. And I think that's what Georgia State did really well. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, uh, you know, you mentioned Jarquez Hunter. Everybody talks about Tank Bixby, but Jarquez Hunter, for those out there who aren't stat geeks like me, this dude's averaging over 10 yards a carry. He's only carried about 36 times, 382 yards, and two scores. Wow. You know, granted now, we're talking Georgia State, Alabama State, Akron, but you do have Penn State in there. Mm -hmm. You know, so so you do have a you do have a big boy that they have at least had to play against and that they they've got some experience against. But um, you know, the key, like you said, I think the key is stopping the run. You've got to stop the run. You have to make Auburn beat you through the air. You have to make Bo Nix, you have to make T.J. Finley, two quarterbacks who have, um, you know, they've the inconsistencies is pro, are probably as, you know, greater than or at least equal to how consistent they've been. You yeah. know, they haven't they haven't been able to string games together. And I'm a little surprised too with Bo Nix because I thought Bo Nix would, would be maybe the you know, maybe the third or fourth best quarterback that LSU would face this year. I was thinking that he was gonna come in, he would really benefit from Brian Harson, from Mike Bobo, uh, you know, move into a, a little bit more quarterback friendly offense that would suit his talents and his skill set better. But he obviously he hasn't done that. You know, yeah. you you he's completing sixty one percent of his passes. TJ's at fifty six point five. So uh, you know, neither one of them. The good thing is that neither one of them has thrown an interception. So yeah, they're not yeah. turning the ball over. You know, and uh, but I like LSU's chances of um, of stopping the Auburn run. Uh, I, I 
everyone goes back to the UCLA game and how, how much UCLA ran the ball on LSU. But one thing that we've seen over these last two weeks is that the LSU team that played against UCLA is really nowhere to be found uh, from the last two weeks against Central Michigan and Mississippi State. Yeah. So I've got some I've got some optimism that the that the front seven is going to be able to keep the Auburn running game in check. I'm not saying that they're going to stuff them or you know or shut them down completely, but I do think that they can keep them in check to where Auburn has to do some things through the air and they're not able to just run the ball. I like yeah. Demon Clark. I like Michael Baskerville. Playing against this type of team more than I do against teams who are going to try to get them in space like Florida, uh, like Mississippi State, like Ole Miss, this is a game to where I think it suits their skill sets better. You've got big linebackers. You've got some physical linebackers. And as long as the LSU defensive line can keep the Auburn offensive line from getting to that second level with ease and let the linebackers kind of you know have some, have some room to operate in – I think LSU can do, you know, what I think they have to do is make Auburn beat them through the air. Yeah, and not for nothing, I think there's going to be a good amount of pressure on the safeties as well in this LSU game, not only to, you know, help out in the run here and there, but if the linebackers continue to press forward, which we expect them to do, which Penn State did, the you know, linebackers committed to the run a little bit more, the safeties have to be aware of tight ends leaking out, you know, receivers getting deep. Uh, just crossers over the middle, stuff like that. And I think that's going to put some pressure on Major Burns and Jay Ward coming off of their best games of the season. So that's an aspect that I think is kind of underrated coming into this is, yeah, I agree with you 100%. The front six, front seven has to do their job, stop the run. But then once Auburn starts to counter off of that, regardless of who the quarterback is, the safeties, I think, play a really big role in this. And I think the corners as well, because I think the corners will be in a lot more, you know, man-to-man situations than they were last week for sure. Dude, I'm with you 100. percent And you know, and and it's worth noting that you know, LSU safeties aren't exactly uh, you know huge stallions back there, big yeah. thoroughbreds back there either. You know, you got Jay Ward, who's probably a lot closer to 180 pounds than 190. Yeah. Uh, Major Burns might be at 190, but you know, you don't have you don't have big safeties yeah. back there. And so, you know, it's going to be crucial for that secondary to tackle as well as they did last week. And that was something that I felt that the LSU defense really did a good job at. Except for the the defensive linemen. The defensive linemen missed some tackles. Those guys were having to play in such wide gaps and they had yeah. to they had to cover so much ground where you can't really hold that against them, you know. But um so yeah, so you make a great point about the defensive backs and uh and, and Major Burns and Jay Ward. And they're gonna they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to crash down. Just hopefully, uh <laughs> hopefully Jay Ward's not putting his head down running into yeah. a brick wall like he did against UCLA. Yeah, that that was that every time I watched that, that was just made me cringe so bad. I was like, damn, that's painful. And yeah. I'm <laughs> the games off it, obviously. So um, let's flip sides. Let's go to LSU offense and Auburn's defense. Uh, Auburn's defense plays 4-2-5. I'm pretty straight up. They weren't too aggressive against Penn State, but they did a pretty good job against the run. I think they held Penn State at two and a half yards a carry. Um, they did get hit on a few play action plays as a result of stopping that run. Um, and uh, Jahan, Jahan Dotson from uh penn state did get i think it was eight receptions seven receptions but they limited the big playability from him so they did a good job there they kind of kept everything in front of them and made penn state kind of hit them with checkdowns and whatnot which i'm interested to see how they play lsu because i think lsu has just as many many big play options as penn state if not more so that's an aspect i'm interested in i think uh max johnson really holds the keys to this game to me because i don't have any real faith in the run game i don't know about you 
No, no, no. I, no. I, I, if you have none, I have less. There you go. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you again. And, you know, and, and I know that I, I know that LSU doesn't have depth at quarterback. I mean, look, we know that Garrett Nussmeyer is not ready to play right now. All you have right now, all you have is Max Johnson until Miles Brennan comes back. But I do think, and, and I do think that when you play teams like Auburn, Florida, the teams coming up on LSU schedule is that you have to get to a point to where you say, okay, we, we have to use, we have to utilize Max Johnson's legs a little bit more because LSU hasn't, you know, you talk about getting the run game going, well, there hasn't been a zone read that we've seen that has a, you know, that has, that defenses have had to defend that element against LSU because everyone knows that they've handed the ball off and they were going to continue to hand the ball off. But having that element against teams like Auburn, against Florida, you know, kind of like LSU did in 2018 where Joe Burrow, they didn't run him a lot, but they they chose their spots to run him at. And I think that LSU is going to have to incorporate that into the offense a little bit more to maybe uh, to maybe give this running back that shot of adre- uh, this running game that shot of adrenaline that it really needs because I'm with you I don't think the running game is going to all of a sudden improve I don't think the offensive line is going to is going to make huge jumps um, or anything during the season just because of the personnel that they have and so when you say that Max Johnson holds the keys Max Johnson holds the keys I think in to LSU's offense in so many aspects that just shows just how critical and how important this guy is to their offense. Yeah. You, I mean, you make a great point. Those, those uh, quarterback handoffs, they haven't even tried to let him keep it or scamper out for a couple yards here and there, just get down a slide. Um, there's really been no threat about that. One thing I did notice with the Penn state uh, quarterback, he did was able to scramble for a few few runs i think he had five run attempts for 24 yards i mean that would be huge for this lsu offense if if max johnson was able to get that that number so that's that's gonna be a an interesting aspect i was about to say if someone ran for 24 yards in a game you would have to feel good about that if you're lsu but then i remembered tdp broke off 59 against uh was it it was it was last week right that's yeah that's the standard we've set if somebody hits 24 yards anybody hits 24 yards rushing Drinks well, hey, on if me. Max hits 24, Armani, Corey, and TDP, man, we're almost at 100. Oh, man. That puts this running game in a whole new light. Oh, man. I just started <laughs> laughing. I was like, oh, God, what is Sonny going with this? <laughs> but um, I do want to touch on the RPOs because they, they showed RPOs last week against Mississippi State, and they showed them against Central Michigan as well. But Mississippi State especially is where they were able to pop a few of them, and I think that's – going to be an aspect that max johnson again putting a lot on his plate reading the defense making quick decisions run pass option type stuff uh, quick throws to keishan Boutte, depending on how auburn's playing him and i find jack besh underneath i think that's pretty much the game plan going in i think it's not going to be too dissimilar to the mississippi state game plan but you know i think auburn's front four is better i don't think they need to send send blitzes the way Mississippi State did to try to you know create some havoc and that's one that's one area where I'm interested to see will Auburn be able to get to Max Johnson or bother Max Johnson with four and they don't have to bring a fifth or a sixth and play man like can they just bring four and drop into a zone and make Max Johnson hold it a few seconds that's what I'm kind of concerned about 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if I don't know if Colby Wooden, the uh, you know, they're you know, one of their one of their top defensive uh, linemen, if not um, you know, their their best one on the team. I'm not sure if he and and the other uh members of that Auburn front can generate that pressure on their own. Derek Mason likes to blitz. He likes to use his linebackers, and that will present some opportunities for those RPOs, like you mentioned. And I've been beating this drum since, you know, for three weeks now, and I'm going to continue to beat it. But I really think the LSU offense is at its best when you have Kayshawn Butte and you have Jack Besh on the field together. You know, we we can you can you can look at the stats, you know, you can see how many balls uh, Jack Besh has caught compared to how many times he's been targeted. And I think that he could be such a weapon in those RPOs too, because he catches the ball. If he catches the ball across the middle, you know, he can pick up 10, 15 yards very, very easily after the catch, just because he's so physical, he's going to run through arm tackles and he he's not a burner, but he's got better speed. You know, he's got better speed than a lot of your tight ends do. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, when you talk about the RPO game, that incorporating him, more into you know incorporating him more into the offense with your other playmakers you know because I think we've seen enough I think we've seen enough after four weeks to realize that okay we knew Kayshawn Butte you know he is who we thought he was going to be going into the season he just picked up where he was left uh, left off yeah. last year I think we've seen that Jack Besh is probably you know if if you don't want to say that he's the most consistent receiver that you have, and which I'm fine with that because I think he still needs to prove that. I think he's probably your second most consistent receiver, you know, just compared to the short you know the small sample that we have of the four games. Brian Thomas Jr. He showed some flashes, and then he showed some instances to where he dropped the ball, like you would expect from a true freshman. Same thing with Deion Smith. And so when you're trying to get your when you're trying to get as many of your playmakers on the field at the same time, you know, I'm just a huge, huge proponent that Kayshawn Butte and Jack Besh on the field together, that, you know, those are your two best receivers. Now the, you know, the the conundrum is what do you do with Cole Taylor? You know, if you if you need Cole Taylor in to pass block, because there's no question that he is a, a more of a natural inline tight end than Jack Besh will ever be. But if that's going to be the case and you need Cole Taylor, then you got to get Jack Besh on the field at, you know, at one of the receiver positions. And I think that that would also be a benefit to the offense because now instead of, you know, it's going to expand the route tree, it's going to expand the options and the opportunities to be able to get him the ball because he's going to be on the field more. He's going to be out in more routes. So, you know, I, I think it's inevitable that at some point you're going to see that. I think you're going to have to see that against teams like Alabama, um, you know, your old misses, really everybody else that LSU has to play yeah. uh, left on the schedule. I think you're going to have to see that in order for Kayshawn Butte to continue to put up the numbers that he's putting up. Yeah, because teams are starting to key in on him a bit. Even Mississippi State, even though I think he had six receptions for, uh, I think it was nine, eight, nine yards, eight, nine yards a, a reception somewhere around there. Uh, Still, we didn't see him, you know, get the big play except for that RPO where he caught the slant and took it all the way. But it wasn't a naturally deep route, right? So, um, you know, it was probably what a twenty-yard throw and a forty-four-yard run. Exactly, exactly. So, so which was picture perfect. 
too. You know, exactly. give Max Johnson credit, man, because that that I mean, that was a thing of beauty. You don't yeah. draw that up anymore to hit him in stride like that. And not to mention you did that against probably the, you know, I mean, maybe the number two or number three cornerback in the SEC in Emmanuel Forbes. Yep. And so the rest of the receivers, I mean, you mentioned Jack Bash being the, the most consistent of the rest of them. I think it's pretty far and away at this point. Deion Smith, Brian Thomas, again, like you said, both talented. You get John Trey Kirkland back. We don't know what to expect from him, and I don't know how many reps he's going to get in his first game back with the room being so deep. Coy Moore is basically out of the rotation. Chris Hilton, don't expect too much from him. Dre Jenkins and Trey Palmer. I think Trey Palmer is probably that third most consistent receiver on this team. I think I really trust him and I trust his ability down the field, especially, but you know, I, I, on a down by down basis, I trust, trust Jack Besh more. So I'm interested to see how they design this offense with the receivers and the, how they rotate the receivers, because I think that's going to be a big thing for Max Johnson is being comfortable and being quick with the ball here. If he does get blitzed and keeping his composure, right? This is Max Johnson that, Against UCLA, I I thought he was un, not composed at all. I thought he, you know, backpedaled too much. He didn't step up in the pocket. Against Mississippi State, his first touchdown, he stepped up in the pocket and delivered a strike. So this is a big game for Max Johnson, and it might be his, you know, it's definitely his most challenging game of this year, I think. I think just based off of what we know, obviously the UCLA game was a different animal, but I think everybody was caught, off, caught by surprise by the Bruins there. So... Uh, we know what we have in Auburn. We know we have in LSU. And I think this is going to be a game where Max Johnson has to have his best game of the season by a wide margin. So I'm excited to see it because I think he's capable of it. I think he's capable of it. I don't know if he's capable of like, you know, being spectacular, but I think he's capable of delivering what he needs to do, doing what he needs to do and delivering for this team. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think, you know, you mentioned how how uh, how big of a piece Max Johnson is to this offense, and I don't think there's any question that he has he has to be who moves the needle for LSU. I don't think they're going to be able to you know I don't think they're going to be able to all of a sudden establish the run against Auburn. I do think that they have to pick some they have to pick some areas and they have to get a few chunk plays in the out of the running game. 10, 11, 12 yards here, you know, 10, 13, 14 yards here, maybe a 15 or 16 yard or here, you know, they have to do some things to where Auburn can't just load up. They can't yeah. just sell out. And so I, I'm anxious to see that. I'm also anxious for young Matthew to have, will this be your first morning in the Tiger Stadium? What do you mean by that? Well, the game starts at eight. It ain't going to be over till midnight. <laughs> so you're going to probably be in Tiger Stadium until about 3, 3.30 yeah. in the morning if you oh, do any work up there. Yeah, it, it depends. If I do the work there or if I do the work at home, it, that, that's what it depends. But yeah, either way, I'll be there. Yes, it, it'll be the first morning. Hey, uh, man. Hey, hey. as a sports writer, those are uh, those are lovely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Until until the first 11 a.m. game, which I've never covered an 11 a.m. game in person. Oh, I don't man. even think in any facets, college yeah. or, or high school. Uh, until that happens, yes, yeah. it will be my first morning. And uh, the last morning game I covered was in 2008. I think it was 2008, and it was the App State game season opener. They moved it up to a 10 o'clock kickoff because there was a hurricane coming, 
and there was a hurricane that was supposed to either hit Saturday night or Sunday morning. I forget what it was. And it was Hurricane Gustav, too, which was oh, uh, which dealt a pretty big blow to Baton Rouge, you know, a yeah. uh, you know, maybe even a bigger blow than than Ida in some places. But uh, but yeah, that was that was the last that was the last morning game that I had to cover. And so just getting out of there and dealing with the Baton Rouge traffic and stuff anyway, that you have to deal with leaving the game. And then you add the, you know, yeah, yeah. The hurricane traffic on top of that right there. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, not a fun time. So I'm, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you are now with us and you can, you know, you, you can have those morning kickoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that'll be fun. I can't wait. Um, (laughs) Last question I have before we get to predictions here over under, we talked about it briefly. Over under 60 yards rushing for LSU. Over under 60 yards. I'm going I, over. Over. I'm going okay. over. That's basically what they've averaged in their three FBS games this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going over. And a reason that I'm going over is that I believe the I believe from looking at the stats, and I, I don't believe anyone, I believe the longest run that LSU has had this year has been 24 yards if I'm not mistaken. I believe Kiner, TDP, and Armani Williams all have runs in the lower 20. So I'm going to I'm going to go and I'm going to even say that that someone breaks off the longest run of the season on Saturday night. Wow. Wow. Uh uh I'll be I'll be the pessimist here. I was going to play say this either way. Uh but I'm going to go under. I I'm the one concern and I think this would be like my last like general point here, but my one concern is that the Mississippi State game, they still weren't able to like sustain drives, you know, consistently because of the running game, obviously. But Coach O's been really preaching first down efficiency and getting more yards on first down, being better on the first and second down. So that way you're not facing those third downs. I mean, I think uh, was the touchdown Max Johnson on the on the first uh drive that they had, I think was on a fourth down, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, sustaining drives or was is a big concern for me so i'm not sure and i don't think the run game is going to get going so i think they're still gonna have to rely on the big play and i think they can do it and i think they're gonna be able to hit some big plays but the consistency of the offense on first and second downs with the run game being the way it is is a concern for me so i'm gonna say under 60 yards um and i'm questioning how much they even really attempt to run the ball going into this i'm it really depends on how auburn plays it right so that's what i that's what i want to see yeah yeah okay i've i've got i've got an over and under for you then okay go ahead over and over or under auburn 175 yards rushing damn i really don't believe in their quarterbacks or passing game at all so i'm gonna go over i did look it up i was looking it up and uh i looked up the past year last year um games that they averaged five yards or more on the ground and games they averaged 4.9 or less just to see if there was any trends and there was no real trends. So, you know, I think like we said, you know, they're going to need to slow down the run, but at the end of the day, if they can't throw the ball, I think that's going to be, that might be too much to overcome in this one. So I'm going to say over the run game, but I'm still confident that LSU's defense will have a good day. Okay. 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 I think Tiger fans will take that. All right. Yeah. Well, well let's let's do the that. prediction. I mean, you're the yeah, one. I was gonna say, who you got then? All right, make a call. All right. All right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a low scoring game, similar to last week. I think it's gonna be a low scoring one. I think the over under is at 55 right now, 55 and a half. Going under that pretty pretty significantly here. I'm going 24 to 20 LSU. I think it's gonna be defensive game. 
Both defensive lines win their battles. And I think LSU last week kicked way too many field goals against Georgia State. And I think that kind of does them in. So uh, 24 to 20, I don't I think Auburn struggles to finish drives uh, with the situation that they're in at quarterback. So give, give me the Tigers or the LSU Tigers. That's what I was about to say. You can't say Tigers, dude. Come on. Come on. <laughs> you gotta pick up you gotta say War Eagle or Plainsman or somebody if you're gonna pick Auburn. <laughs> no, LSU, LSU, I like that four point. I like the four point margin though. I do like the four point margin. Um I think both teams are gonna move the ball. Um inside the uh you know in between the 20s i think they're Mm -hmm. going to move the ball but i think they're going to i think the offenses are going to stall out once they get into the red zone um and that's why i like lsu 27 to 23 um you know i think that how many many field goals is that huh how many many three touchdowns and two field goals for lsu and And then three two touchdowns and three three field goals for auburn Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually right. put some thought into it. There you go. Yeah, but uh, my son asked me, he's like, "What? Well, how do they score that many points? Were they getting like safeties and stuff?" I'm like, "No, son." <laughs> <laughs> but back to the back to back to the why. Yeah, I like LSU's defensive line in this one. Um, I think that you know, I think that Neil Neil Farrell has played pretty good against the run. Joe Evans has played what has played pretty well too of late, and I think that LSU is going to, uh, you know, we thought going into the season that the defensive line was going to be the strength of this team. I think it has on defense. And I think that this is a game where they really kind of assert themselves a little bit. And not necessarily saying that they're going to blow Auburn off the ball or anything, but I think this is a game to where they're able to hold their own and you're able to start seeing some signs to where, okay, some of these young guys like Jaqueline Roy, we saw some plays against McNeese state, saw some plays against central Michigan, Jacoby and Guillory, kind of the same thing. Mason Smith, you hadn't really seen much of him since that McNeese state game when he had, what was it? Three sacks, I believe, you know? And so I think this is a game to where the young defensive linemen, they really kind of feel off of this emotion and this energy that Tiger Stadium is going to have Saturday night. 8 p.m. kickoff, man, the fans are going to be out there so early. They're going to be drinking all day. It's not going to be that hot. They're going to be able to avoid a little bit of rain and stuff. And when that sun goes down around 6, 6.45, 7 o'clock, and everybody starts making their trek to the stadium and everything, down those last three or four beers before they get in there, that once that energy and that excitement really takes over, I believe that you're going to see the players feed off of that. And then you'll see the fans feed off of the players. And so I'm really excited to see what the atmosphere is going to be like because, you know, you didn't see any of it last year you, uh, of the the Tiger Stadium in its full effect. You haven't seen any of it this year. And I, I think Saturday night is going to be one of those nights to where, you know, you, people people who aren't even LSU or Auburn fans, just a casual fan, fan clicking through and watching a little bit of the game is going to be like, man, that place is loud right now. You know, so I, so I think the atmosphere and the energy – is going to really help this team. And uh, and I think it's just going to continue to take some steps that we've seen the last two weeks. All right. Well, Sonny's got 27-23. I got 24-20. We So we both have the under, uh, but the spread we is – start, we got to start making Shady and Wild Bill give us their picks before we record. Right. They, so they we get them run. on the record too. It's ridiculous. They go off yeah, they just I'll, get they get to just sit back and laugh at our mistakes. Yeah. I was on the radio yesterday and and I said 24 to 17. So you know we're just keep we're continuing to move. But uh, you know what they call that in South Louisiana? What do they what do they call that? Crawfishing. 
Crawfishing. Okay. Yeah. I'll crawfish crawfishing now. It's like when somebody says, yeah, man, I'll come help you move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you call them up that day to help you. Oh, man, I got to take my little girl to a uh, ballet. When did you have a daughter? <laughs> crawfishing. You know? There you go. Oh, Learn exactly. That. So crawfishing, Matthew. You're learning, man. You're, you're, you you're, you're acclimating to South Louisiana just perfectly. There you go. Hurricane, there you go. check that off the list. LSU games, get that morning kickoff in, man, and then boom. Yep. There you go. We check everything off the list at that point. There you go. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Um, again, 8 p.m. kickoff, ESPN, uh, Tiger Stadium, LSU Auburn, you know, big game every single year, especially this year with a lot of implications moving forward. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Go247. Follow Sunny on Twitter at SunnyShip247. There's my Twitter right there, Matthew Bruni underscore. Uh, subscribe to our uh, go247.com for the latest content off and for our VIP board, which we are on every day, basically every hour. Uh, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And subscribe to our YouTube page if you're watching this on YouTube. We appreciate it. Uh, leave a like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll talk to you all later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.